sweet sound of grace. The thing that saved us was free. That's what we have to wrap our mind around. The, the inherent evil we were a part of was rectified at no cost to us. I mean, that should make you cry. That should make you laugh. That should make you want, that should make you say the mystery of God the wonder of Jesus and how willing he was to pay for something so expensive and it cost us, don't make any mistake people, nothing at all. Now it is expensive on the back end for us. There is a death for us too. But there was a way that was uh, made where there was no way before. And the expense was not on us. Oh, what a great sound that is. Can we just pray about that this morning? Lord, there are commentaries out there and seminaries and, and, and books that have been written about who you are and, and, and church history and all of these things. There is, there is an endless amount of information. But Lord, I can't get past the gospel. The simple gospel. And how amazing it is. Lord, that you would come and save a wretch like me. Lord, I pray that we would learn of you, that we would know things about you that we could teach and edify, help others to move from milk to meat. But Lord, I pray that no one in this church would ever move away to believe that there's something more profound than the gospel of Jesus Christ. We honor you for that today. And in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Hey, hey Brad, can you just turn me up a little bit? I'm going to kind of pull this away. Last week I was I was using this microphone. I like the handhelds because I can get kind of... So, pull away action. And uh, I have been taught many things in this church, but one of them was how to use a microphone. And, and I was told to like put this thing just right on your chin. Well, I get home last Sunday and I have like a black mark on the bottom of my chin it's about this big I can't get it off and so my my wife thought man you actually have facial hair no it's paint my dear uh, so I'm gonna try and pull it away you didn't need to know that but there you go uh, welcome to all of you guys to ESIS my name is Beck I'm one of the uh, teachers here at ESS Christ Fellowship. Alex, our pastor, is on vacation. Um, this is his last week on vacation. I will tell you, continue to be praying for him because uh, as you get to the end of vacation, you start to think more and more about work, and we want him to maximize the rest um, that is allotted for him. I just want to take just a moment. Um, we have some uh, members of our Colorado Springs Church here, and uh, we just want to uh, say hello to you and welcome you guys here on this Sunday. We're so happy to have you. Yeah, please give them a round of applause. We've been studying the book of Romans. This week we are in uh, a famous verse. I'm just going to leave it at that. Romans 7, verses 14 through 25. Paul is talking to the church in Rome about what it means to be a Christian. And in chapter 7, he moves to be more specific in what sanctification of a Christian really is. 
If you haven't been with us before, we have a podcast. You can check us out. It's Jesus Christ Fellowship um, or wherever you get your, uh, your podcast. You can get them on the App Store or uh, on the Android Store. And you can check up on the previous sermons so that you can get all caught up. We do teach line by line and verse by verse here because every word of the Scripture is true. Okay, today's message is called Strange Creatures, a study of the formerly depraved yet to be glorified people of God. Like I said, this passage is famous, but more or less it's famous for being confusing. I'm sure that you've heard of it. We're going to read it in just a second, but it's the set of scripture where Paul says, I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things I do want to do. And it seems like Christianity is a state of... I don't know, schizophrenia. (laughs) A dual personality disorder that Paul is revealing in himself. The reality is that this isn't nearly as confusing as it is honest and totally true, watch this, for each and every one of us. This is a passage about the Christian life. But to really understand it, I would like to brush up on just a on just a few things. So let's go to the next slide. The first thing we need to talk about is who you were. This message today comes from the standpoint or viewpoint of believers. If you have found yourself in Christ by faith because of his grace, and you are now a believer, you're transformed. If you are this person now, who did you use to be? Seems like a pretty basic concept, but... uh, (laughs) There's a lot of opinions out there. This is what the scripture says about who we used to be. Romans chapter 3, uh, verse 23 says, All have fallen short of the glory of God along with everyone else. These are all summaries. Uh, Romans 5, 12 says, You and I are sinners, and sin always, every time, leads to death. Romans 6, 14, Paul says, We are slaves to sin, and essentially he is, uh, the sin is our master. Probably not a good one. Before you were a believer, you were totally depraved. Depraved is this definition here. I love this. It's an adjective. Corrupt, abandoned, perverted, evil, vicious, degraded, vile, degenerate, immoral, wicked, shameless, sinful, lewd, debased, debauched, levacious, desolate, and licentious. (laughs) You were those things. You were separated from God and and consumed completely by sin. There was not, listen to me, anything in you that did any good at all. You got to think, well, Beck, I did, you know, I didn't kick dogs or nothing was considered good in the eyes of God. Nothing at all. I've been sharing this the last few weeks to really understand the grace of God, which is an impossible concept to begin with, but to gain understanding of the grace of God, one of the best perspectives you can take on that topic is to first understand your depravity. If I realized how broken I was and how much it was going to cost to fix me, then I can get a, a small understanding of the price God had to pay for you and I. Just a few more notes here. You were sinners in identity and function. It's not what you did, it's also what you were. Okay? You were under bondage to sin. This is important for us to remember for the sake of comparison for this very question. Who you will be. That's who I was, 
as a believer. Before I became a Christian, that's who I was. And this is what the scripture says that I will be some day in heaven or if the Lord were to return beforehand. Colossians 3, 4 says that we will appear with Christ in glory. The standing up is supposed to help us understand that. <laughs> Second Timothy says that we will receive a crown of righteousness, is a very specific word, as an award, not reward, as an award. He will give us a, a, a claim of authority. It says that we are glorified into him as children, as his heirs. Revelation says, and I'm summarizing here, we will get a new body, total peace, and no tears for all of eternity. That's who we will be. In essence, if I had to summarize, the perfection of Christ. What is glory to be glorified in heaven someday as believers? Who Christ is becomes holy who we are with nothing else added. The like Christ of his creation is realized, is fulfilled in glory in heaven. Amen. <laughs> that is where you and I, the believer, are going. We know who we were. We know who we're going to be. This poses this question. Who are we now? The believer, it's hard to find. We're a disciple. We're a Christian. We're a churchgoer. We're saved. But in reality, what does that actually mean? If you are seeing yourself as a Christian today by faith, you are what I would call a strange creature. Something in between a glorified, perfected image of God and this wretched, depraved sinner. You are on this earth a strange creature. This is seen from both ends. One, do not think too highly of yourself. <laughs> I've got this all figured out. I'm saved. I can do whatever I want. Be careful. The other side is the negative concept. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm more human, but I, I'm, I'm saved, and I'm working out this idea of the Spirit, and I go to church, and uh, you are not like other people. Let me say it like this. You are not normal if you are a Christian. <laughs> you have evolved. You have been transformed. You have been changed into something else. One of the biggest concepts that we struggle with in Christianity today is that we can't separate ourselves from the world. We look like us. We talk like us. They talk. It's just this back and forth thing. We don't know who is who. First step to realizing there is a problem is to confessing that there is one. And the problem is this. You are not normal. You need to realize that. You are not the same. You have had an absolute change in your spirit, in your inner man. The, the, the word for this is the, the in, in English common terms today, would be the bottom of your heart. You have been changed from the bottom of who you are. And it's been fundamental. Paul is one of these strange creatures. And in Romans chapter 7, he writes a letter to these Romans in, in, in the church of Rome and gives a personal testimony, watch this, of the life of the strange creature he is. This is a testimony from Paul about the Christian life. We've 
confused it, we've manipulated it. I really am fighting the urge to just wipe the whole sermon and just teach on this alone. Uh, but uh, just be, pray for me because you don't really want me to do that. Anyway, let's read. Let's go ahead and read for us. So uh, you'll open your Bibles. Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. 16. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh, for the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. But I see a different law in the members of my body, raging war against me, the law of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then... On one hand, I find myself with my mind uh, in serving the law of God, but on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. Let's go ahead and go to the next slide here. Paul is the person stuck between who he was and who he is going to be. He's defining for you and I not only his personal testimony, but because he's divinely inspired by the Spirit, who we are in this earth. Who you and I are today. There's a lot of information here that I want to share, and, and, and I think this is really important, so uh, uh, hopefully you have your Bibles out and you can get your pen ready to go. He's sharing. His sharing is mature. It's the sign of a Christian. There's some belief out there that this is before Christ came to... Uh, before Paul came to Christ, that is not true. He is a leader. He is wrestling. He is lamenting. He is he's he's confessing his state right now to this people. He's trying to explain Christianity to. There is no the devil made me do it. That is not what this scripture says. This is him saying, I am doing this, and how does that work? There seems to be a paradox inside of him. We were totally sinful, but now made through faith on the cross, totally justified and ready for heaven. That is one hand. Did you know that when you go to heaven, there isn't going to be anything added to you? You're ready for it right now. When you die, the only thing necessary to enter heaven is subtraction. All we have to get rid of is the flesh. But everything else is totally acceptable to God. Because he didn't just give you, he didn't add to your spirit. 
You need to know that. He didn't take, here's some good stuff to ruin the poison in you. No, he killed you and replaced it with himself. There was a cleaning out. The scripture defines it as a death. There was a death in me and a resurrection in newness of life. This is the gospel at hand. This is a truth on one hand. We are sinless in the eyes of God. But on the other hand, we do all this stuff. <laughs> we go to church, we honor God, we love the law of God, meaning like who He is. We worship, we pray, we help the poor, and then we have these thoughts. These, we do these wicked things. And everybody in the church should be going, unless you got something figured out that Paul or I or anybody else in history doesn't, no, we should all be like, man, yep. And what does it cause us to do? Who here has questioned their salvation? If I was saved, would I be doing this? Or on the other hand, is God really who he says he is? Because if this healing would have taken place, ew, it's not that healed. <laughs> We have this apparent paradox going on within us. Dare I say, a war. There is a conflict endowed in the Christian life. And you and I deal with it every day. Paul is defining this conflict. We are a heavenly people incarcerated in a body of flesh. That's the answer. Your inner man, your spirit, is totally cleansed. But it is in jail. It is bonded to. It is chained to these cells. This, it's more than that. This, the way of thinking, this, this sinful flesh to us. We are inside of it. And Paul is explaining that same thing. The only thing needed for a believer to, uh, to enter heaven when he dies is subtraction from the sinful flesh we are trapped in. And oh man, how we long to get out. I don't know if that's always been my groaning, but when I pray about, Lord, work in me and work through me, there's some scripture here I'm about to read that really edifies this idea, right? Just what we're trying to say is, God, get me out of this trap. Because I do the things I don't want to do, but the thing I want to do is honor you. Because that is the very makeup of our spirit, is it not? Listen to the scripture here. Romans uh, 8, 21 through 23. I'll just read it for you. We pick up halfway through the uh, uh, sentence here. That the creation itself also would be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Man, I love, these are just staggering words. It kind of takes my breath away. For if we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now, and not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even ourselves, groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. Oh, how we long for the day when the glorification part comes, right? How we don't have to deal with this. Look, I've had like 37 surgeries. I'm groaning for something new. I need an upgrade. You know what I mean? And it's not just what's falling apart, this death decaying flesh. It's that it's, it's been corroded. It's been, it has a cancer that has infested it from my birth. 
We are stuck between these two births. The first birth in Adam when we were born in sin and the second birth in Jesus. We are both births and we are trying to identify with the second. Our spirit is screaming while the flesh is a cancerous kind of, um, that's the way I think about it, this sin-ridden member that is constantly consuming for itself. And we are stuck in between the two. This is something to consider writing down. This helps me to think about it. The flesh no longer reigns, but it still remains. You are no longer a slave to sin. Right? By faith, we have been given a new master. We are freed from that. But if you let it, it will be your master. <laughs> if you relent, the flesh, sin, will take back over. Um, this is just a, a rephrasing here. For we are a product of two births, a mixture of the birth in Adam and the rebirth in Christ. We go to church, we pray, we worship, and we generally want to honor God and obey His commands. And then we do horrible things. We sin constantly. For we are stuck between these two births. But there is a different life. Right? That's the second part of the gospel. The gospel isn't just getting saved so you can go to heaven someday. There's an, an element of the gospel that is living and breathing and active right now. The Christian life jumping out of our flesh today. The everyday heavenly man on earth is an, an attainable thing. In essence, though we are trapped, we do not have to be forever. Uh, this is, again, one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 20, it says this. Um, but that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You had an old spirit, it's dead. You have an old flesh, take it off and throw it on the heap with the old spirit. And put on this newness where it and it only. Does that make sense? That we can put on Christ, in essence we are in Him, and that He can enter into us, so we are Christ-like through and through. Does that make sense? That is an option for you and I, and we'll see this in the scripture. Maybe you could say it like this. This is a, this is a good quote here uh, by the guy who wrote Amazing Grace, actually. Uh, John Newton was a slave trader uh, in England back in the day, and he was converted to Christianity and became this, this amazing activist. Uh, the quote's a little off-site here, but it says this, I'm not the man I ought to be. I'm not the man I wish to be. And I am not the man I hope to be. But by the grace of God, I am not the man I used to be. Right? Sometimes the growth in us is so incremental. Sometimes the spirit beating over the flesh doesn't only make us better, but it also makes us feel worse. We become, the more mature in Christ we get, the more aware we get of our sin. Right? It's just the way it seems like for me. The more I grow in Christ, the think I think, man, I just need to drive a truck or something. I am not fit to be a pastor or a teacher in this. But, but, my, but my flesh is being made a slave more and more every day. I'm maturing. I'm growing in Christ. And yet, I feel, more, I feel worse. It's a helpful reminder to say I'm not where I'm supposed to be yet. But I am not the man I used to be.
Um, the next scripture here, we're going to talk about a pattern. We're going to go back into Romans chapter 7. Essentially, Paul is, is almost like praying. He's giving like a song, a phrase. He gives three elements three times over. And we're going to explain these, hopefully draw some understanding to it so that we can see that Paul comes to the same conclusion as John Newton. I am not where I want to go yet, but I am not who I used to be. The three elements, we'll talk about this a little bit more in just a second, are conclusion, confession, and condition. Paul draws a conclusion. I am a mess. He confesses how he is this mess, but then he remembers his condition in Christ. And he says, but, and then he does it again. And then the third time, again, and hopefully you and I can relate to Paul even more than we did at the part at the beginning of this morning. Let's start here. Uh, let's go uh, 14 and 15. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. 16. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me. Verse 16. Or, I'm sorry, uh, verse 14 is his conclusion. Let's go back quickly to 14. We're going to go back and forth here. For we know, this is what I know, that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh. He is not saying I'm in the flesh. That is Paul's token term for someone who does not believe. He's like, I'm fleshly. Look at the comparison there. For I know that the law, which I, I obey naturally because of the spirit that is in me, is spiritual, but I'm flesh. I am not like the spirit totally. I'm fleshly. I have this sin. And he goes on to confess. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do. His desire is to honor God. Not because he wants to, because that's the very makeup of his nature. The spirit of flesh, or the, um, the, the, the flesh lusts, that's what it says in Galatians. And it says that the spirit desires only what God wants. There's the comparison that he says, I'm in the middle of this. But I'm doing the very thing that I hate. That's his confession. Also in 16. 16, sorry. There you go. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law confessing that it is good. If I'm doing something and I know I don't want to do it, I am, in, in essence, I'm still agreeing with the law. I'm saying the law is good, the law is good while I'm sinning. This is where conviction comes in. This is where that conflict rises up in your spirit. So now, 17, no longer am I the one doing it. Here is where he remembers his condition. This is where you and I, we share in 15 through 16, right? Or 14, 15, 16. We're like, yeah, man, I've done that. He remembers his condition. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me. It's not him anymore. He is no longer the one actively doing it, for his nature is not sinful, his truest self. But sin, he says, dwells in him. Where in him? It can't be in the spirit. It can't be in his inner man in the bottom of his heart. Where is in him? Let's go to 18. For I know that I'm doing... Uh, that nothing that I, sorry, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. That's where sin dwells. 
cancer-ridden flesh. For the, in, uh, for the willing is present in me. That's the spirit. But the doing of the good is not. This instrument, this tool called the body, this uh, thoughts, emotions, this physical being that I am is, is cancer-ridden and can't do the good that I intend to do through my spirit. For, here's the confession. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not do. I love here, Paul is talking about himself. No sin on earth bothered Paul more than his own. This, he could have used any analogy, any confession, he keeps saying, I. I, the great Paul, the Paul we aspire to be like, the Paul we always quote, saying, I do the very thing I don't want to do the most elementary piece I cannot do. So he just mature. Uh, verse 20. Here's his condition. He remembers his condition. But if I'm doing the very thing I do not want to do, I'm no longer the one doing it. Do we see how it's starting to repeat? There's a pattern here. But sin which dwells in me. Sin dwells in my flesh. That's what we learned in 18. And the in me is in the members of my body. You know, I appreciate this church for many reasons, but one of them is that we talk about sin here. I have been told in other churches or in things past, man, that can be dangerous or get you into trouble. I would contend that it was preaching on sin when I was a young man um, before I knew the Lord that led me to Him. When I became aware that there was a law and I was breaking it every day, I became more interested and willing to talk to the Lord and perceive what He was doing in my life. God is looking for a people who say, talk about whatever is necessary, whatever it takes. Man, whatever is needed, let me be a part of this. This is Paul's heart, whatever it takes. If it's my sin that I have to confess, whatever it takes. No holds barred for him. Okay, let's go on to uh, 21. We're almost finished here. I find then the principle, this is his conclusion, that evil is present in me. And the one who wants to do good, for I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. Again, inner man is the bottom of my heart, the, the truest part of who I am. 23. Here's his condition. We're starting to see a bit of a change here as he realizes more and more that his condition is who he truly is. But I see a different law in the members of my body raging war against the law of my mind and making the mind there is that a true person again too. Um, Legapagos. But I'm making a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. Uh, and, and if you think about the brain, the brain is a body part. The inner part of it, the, the abstract part of the brain is the mind. The, fl the flesh, right, is the, is the physical element. The abstract part of it is this spirit. His spirit is renewed, but the flesh is sinful. The brain is sinful, but the mind has been restored by God. That's the way to consider it there. Making a prisoner of the law of sin, which is where? In my flesh. You know, I, he keeps repeating this. I... I didn't know if I was going to do this, but if you turn to Psalm 119, I'm not going to... Well, let's just, let's just turn there real quick, because I think it's important. I was reading this for a whole other thing, um, but it's, it's just... It's just help me here. I'll turn to it real quick for you. Uh, we're not going to read it all, because it is very long. 
Psalm 119, David is talking about his love for the law. I obey the law. I love the law. I'm encouraged by the law. Um, With all my heart I saw you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Um, He says that he treasures his law in his heart. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes and I obey them. This is Psalm 119. We're just kind of skimming around because there's 176 verses. (laughs) He goes all the way through for 175 verses. And then in 176, he says, I have gone astray (laughs) like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Paul is sharing in in, in a very similar way what David was going through and what you and I are going through. I want to do this. I want to obey your law, but there's something in me that has gone astray. There's something in my members that has messed me up. You don't have schizophrenia. You're a strange creature who needs to choose. Let's quickly go up to uh, 24 and 25. Paul summarizes basically like this. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of this death? In ancient days, if you murdered a man, they would literally chain that dead body to you. And it would become such a weight and such a hindrance and so decayed and diseased, it would become your death. They'd kick you out of town with the very person that you murdered chained to you. With that in mind, listen to the scripture. Wretched man that I am, what a murderer that I am. Who will set me free from this body, this corpse of death that's killing who I want to be? Here's the answer. Thanks be to God our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, on one hand, he's serving the law of God, but on the other, with his flesh, the law of sin. He knows that God has already defeated this sin in his life totally. Not just in spirit, but in his flesh and well. He is being sanctified over time. It's being realized through his life that this fleshly, material thing will one day be thrown on the heap with the rest of the useless junk of this broken world and we will stand finally being able to really stretch out for the first time in our truest self. Thanks be to God that it's already done. This is not going to kill me. This is not going to take you and I over for we have been saved. The question is, who do we relate to more? I would argue that we relate to our sin more than anything else. We understand our flesh more than we understand our spirit. And it leads me to ask this question right here. The creature you are versus the beast you see. Are you a Christian creature? Strange. But holy, or when you look in the mirror, do you see the sinful, fleshly, just, just beast, that, this monster of sin that just defies God all the time? Your spirit is doing one thing, and your flesh is doing another, but what will you do? What will you decide to let be the wind in your sails? What will you choose? This is the, 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 the challenge of the everyday Christian life, making our flesh our slave. Forcing it into obedience of what? My truest self, my spirit. What do you see when you look in the mirror? 
Plutarch is an ancient philosopher, and he has a, a paradox, that's what he studied, about a, 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 called Theseus's ship. You guys ever heard of this? Let's just do a little exercise. We're just gonna, this could be three, four minutes. Here's an exercise for you. Theseus is on a ship, and he's moving from one side of the sea to the other. In the cargo hold of the ship are, are every other part that he would need to replace the ship. While at sea, he takes one board off of the ship, throws it into the sea, and replaces it with a new one. By the time he ports at the other side of the sea, every piece of the ship has been changed over. The question is, is Theseus on the same ship or a different ship? If you think he's on the same ship, raise your hand. Oh, very good. Christian thinkers in here. If we think he's on a different ship, raise your hand. Here's my question for you. When did the ship become a new ship? At what point could you identify that it was a new ship? You tell me. This is when people go, uh, and hence the paradox. Let's assume that that same ship make it a little more clear for you, is now in a museum. Theseus' ship. And there's some robbers that think that there's value to the ship on the black market. But of course, you can't walk into a museum and just steal a ship. This isn't like Ocean's Eleven here. So what do they do? They get night jobs as janitorial services, and day by day, they take one piece at a time and replace it with a new one. When the job is done, they, they erect the ship outside of the museum, and they sell it on the black market. Did they steal the ship? The answer, the answer would be, Yes. See, the, the, this Christian life is a matter of perspective. You could say, well, the evolution of that ship on sea was so slow. It was so piecemealed. It was so part by part. It was never really a new ship because as one piece is getting uh, older and older, you're putting a new piece on it. It's just constantly in transition. It's not really a new ship per se until you think about it getting robbed. <laughs> well, then that is a different story. This is the perspective we hold in our Christian life. Sometimes our flesh is saying, you're changing so slow. You still have the same calic and warts, and you still have the same addictions. God does things fast. Haven't you read the Bible? His healings are immediate. You're not really different. You're the same you've always been. The level of Christianity you have now is the level of Christianity you're going to keep forever. Just deal with it. One day when you get to heaven, it'll all be better. I'll go away, the flesh said. You could look in the mirror and see yourself like that. Or you could say, their truest self in me is transforming me every single day. That there is a process to my life, but I have been already completed in the eyes of Christ. Paul goes on to say it something like this. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul's conclusion, this is, this is Christianity summarized. <laughs> I don't have it yet in total. But I'm not remembering how slow the transformation is going or the sin of my life. I'm not giving any attention. I'm going to starve this flesh. Why? Because my eyes are on the prize. My eyes are on what I truly am. That is, 
this call that has been laid up for me by Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? Let's bring our worship team up here this morning. Get ready to take up our offering. Some of you, I'm just going to say it, preaching's over. Now it's just time to talk. Some of you need to change what you see in the mirror. Your perspective about this paradox you're in needs to be adjusted. Because who the, you say you are, or who you think you are, is not the God, or is not what God says that you are in your inner self. Johnny Square said it like this for years. I, would I align with you, God, against myself. Some of you feel like you've been totally duped by your own flesh. That it is in control. The coolest thing, come on up guys, is that right now, this, 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 right now, it can be turned around. We can renew our mind, our inner person, every day. And we renew and we renew after day after day. And guess what happens? The transformation that took place in us starts to be realized outside of us. Does that make sense? Every day. Let's take up this offering. We're going to stand in worship and we're going to come back and see what the Lord wants to do. Lord, I thank you for the offering. I pray for those that give to it and ask that you return to them bountifully. We pray that, Lord, everybody gives in obedience, not out of compulsion or some desire for greater affection by you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. After you take give of the offering, if, if uh, that's what you're supposed to do, let's stand. Whoa. We will worship the Lord for just a second, and I'll be back with you in a moment. Thanks. Oh, what do we see? of ourself manipulates our opinion of God. Can't, can't separate them. I want to open up this altar. Just this, it's just a stare. But I think there are some people in this room that need to take a step by faith and they need to correct the way they've been seeing themselves in, in ordinance with how God sees them. We are so aware of our flesh. We're so intimate with it. We understand our sin so much. God has opened himself up. Jesus has, has presented himself in a way where we can know him. <laughs> I think I'd much rather do that, wouldn't you? So let's today, for those of us that need to make a change of our perspective, no one's going to mess with you. If that's just you, I, I just want you to come up front. If you just need to declare to yourself and to the Lord that your flesh is dead, that you are a man of the Spirit, a woman of the Spirit. with you, no reason to be afraid. This is between you and the Lord. If he asks you to come up, don't believe your flesh, just do it. Okay. We're going to continue in worship in just a second. I'm going to let you guys just pray. 
and, and reset our mind, our inner man on the Lord and what he has for us. For the rest of us, I pray that the Lord blesses you in an overflow way. There's more blessing than you can catch. And I pray that he does this not because of your performance, but because of who he is. I pray that it's a demonstration of his kindness, his love, and his riches towards you. This is not a motivational talk. This is the character of God. I have more than enough, and I'm handing it out. I pray that we'd not see each other like some ship that is never a new ship. That in fact, you are a new thing. And I pray that that would be a testimony for the world. We can pray these things and believe these things because of the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross and raised from the dead. And any who might believe in him will have eternal life. We will be glorified someday. But ladies and gentlemen, there's work to do right here on this planet today. Pray that Christ would work through you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, Amen. Have a great week. God bless. You're dismissed.